Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Who's ready for Ephesians 4? We're halfway down. Ben talked about it this morning. I wasn't able to be there, but I watched it on the, uh, on the Facebook, on the live Facebook. That's cool, isn't it? How we can do that. Now you can, if you're on Facebook, you can actually watch the talks live. Or if you want to, go to the Ivy page. You've not already done that, and you can watch it again because it's already been on, and you can actually see Ben in all of his glory preaching this morning. <laughs> and it was a glorious thing. So... We've seen so far in this that Ephesians is like, uh, we have a thing called the Alpha Course, which is a course for people who are finding out about what it is to be a Christian. And, you, and uh, all the Christians in Ephesus were pretty much new, so the Apostle Paul writes this letter as a kind of, these are the things that you really need to know now that you're a Christian. And um, these are the things that he wanted everybody to get. When the first churches first got started, this is what they wanted everybody to get. And when the first, oh, hang on. That's not the one, that's last week's. Dun, 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 dun. It's Ephesians 4. Has it not come across? No. We've put the wrong one on. How can we do it? I don't know. What can we do? No, I don't know if, unless it's not in there. I'm sure, I'm sure I put it across earlier. Ephesians 4. Let me talk amongst himself. Yeah, what do you think? So if, let me bring you up to speed, even if you've not been here. The first half of Ephesians talks about how we're saved, and the second part talks about the difference it makes. Now we're saved. So it starts out with grace, and then it goes into some truth. How we're to live the new life. Because Christianity is not a system of behavior modification, where you get a list of things to do and not do. It's actually about a life exchange, a whole new life. Jesus gave his life for you so he can give his life to you. Jesus gave his life for you so he can give his life to you. A whole new life. So what does it mean to build a whole new you? The last three chapters in Ephesians talk about how you can live the new life now that you belong to Jesus. Because it says before this, you were dead and now you're alive. Just as much of a miracle takes place when somebody becomes a Christian because you were dead and then you, be, you come alive again. When we see people being baptised here, that's what's being symbolised. They go down in the water and it's like they die a death to come back up again. That's the symbol, that's the sign of it. Just as much of a miracle as what took place when Jesus went into a room and he spoke to a little girl called, well, I don't even know what she's called, but he says to her, wake up, this little girl, Jairus' his daughter, and she, um, it's a miracle when that happens. It's just as much of a miracle when he goes to a graveyard and he shouts, Lazarus, come out. And the reason he, you know, somebody said that the reason he has to say Lazarus' name is because if he'd have just shouted, come out, all the graves would have emptied. <laughs> So we had to be pretty specific. <laughs> if you were here last weekend, we talked about sit, walk, stand. And you can check that out on a podcast if you want to. But it was like, this is the, like a, a way that it moves through Ephesians. You can listen to it, as I say, on the podcast if you want to. But if not, don't worry, you'll be able to get this tonight. Because Ephesians, this passage tonight is all about how we walk differently now that... 
there's a new you. There's a new way to live. And the, the Bible talks about a new way to walk, a different way of walking. There's a whole new normal when you become a Christian. But he starts out by warning about a temptation which will always, always, always be there. And that is to go back to the old life to go and walk the way you used to walk, to go and live the way you used to live. It's always going to be, the choice is always, always going to be the crowd or the cross. There's a crowd who want you to do one thing, or there's the cross and Jesus is calling you to go his way. And we're going to break the passage down into three parts, so if people like taking notes, you can remember this. He talks about something that you put off, something that you put on, and some things that you put away. That's how he breaks it down. So let's read from Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 32. I'm reading from the message version. He says this. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God, they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you've paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with the old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. Then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What this adds up to then is no more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbour the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit, moving and breathing in you, is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Now, some people talk as if the Bible's all really deep and hard to understand. Is that hard to understand? That's the most practical thing you're ever going to read. So, you know, sometimes I wish the Bible wasn't so clear. Because it smacks you in the face with its truth sometimes. How many of us have learned, first of all, from the start of this, who you walk with will affect your direction. It was going to affect where you end up. How you walk is determined very often by who you walk with. Some of of us learn this the hard way, but it's far easier, it's better if you can learn from the mistakes of other people. Or even just listen to what the Bible says and what Paul says about it. And he starts off by reminding 
us of this truth. Do you know what this is like? It's like you're watching a film sometimes and everything seems to be going well for one particular character. Then another character gets introduced or there's a little group of other characters and you watch that and you think, oh, no, 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 no. Don't go with them. Don't you? Like you can see, oh, that's not going to go. He's not the right one. No, 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 no. Don't, don't go with him. That's the bad one. Don't go with him. Yeah? And we can see it really clearly, can't we? Sometimes we can see it really clearly with our friends. Sometimes we can see it with our family. Who can't we see it clearly with? Ourselves. Ourselves. So often we can see it with everybody else really, really clearly. We just don't see it in us. We're in the summer of change and we're working towards God changing our lives in this year of equipping where God wants us to find our place to fulfill our purpose. And one of the most crucial areas which will decide whether or not that happens is right there at the beginning of this passage when he talks about how we need to take a cold, hard look to check what types of people you're most often with. Who you most often hang around with will determine where you end up. When God wants to bless your life, he will bring people into your life. And when the devil wants to destroy your life, he'll bring people into your life. You choose. This is what the Bible talks about, something called discernment. I mean, can I make that all mysterious? But it's not actually all that mysterious. Because usually all you've got to do, if you're not sure whether it's the right one or the wrong one, look at the fruit. Jesus said that. He said, you look at a tree, you can tell whether it's a good tree or a bad tree. How? Look at the fruit. Don't look at the leaves. The leaves may be beautiful. The leaves may be all luscious and full and wonderful. Look for fruit. Look at the fruit. The fruit will tell you. One of my best friends when I was in my 20s, he wasn't even a Christian, but he said to me something that I've never forgot. This was about another guy who I thought was my friend, but he was acting in a way that made me wonder whether or not he was really a friend. And my other friend said to me this, he said, once a snake, always a snake. So we know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And it's like, you know, if if he keeps acting like a snake, guess what? One of the hardest choices people make is when you have to face the reality of I get to make choices about the people who are influencing me. And those choices really, really, really matter. See, we teach our children, don't we? Those of us who've got children to be selective about who they hang about with, don't we? We're like, my my mum would be like, don't play with Sean (laughs) O'Connor. And she was right. And I did play with Sean (laughs) O'Connor. He taught me to spit. (laughs) Never got me a job, never did me anything good. See, a good parent is going to encourage their children to be careful of the influences that are surrounding them. Why? Because they know they're going to, you're going to be influenced by the people who are closest to you. And God is saying the same kind of thing right here in this passage. He says some people, this is from a different translation, are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They're wandering far from the life God gives them because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. It's like, don't go with those people. Or if you do, Don't moan about it. Afterwards, I don't know why I ended up with the life I've got. (laughs) 
These are some people, he says, their minds are darkened. They're darkened in their understanding. And the best, there are times when the best decision you can make is to cut ties with people who are holding you down. Look at the fruit. Do they gossip about everybody else? Guess what they're doing about you? Are they consistently negative? Do they pour cold water on other people's plans? When you start talking about God, are they like, hmm? Are they a poor influence on your holiness, your health, your habits? So you've heard that saying, haven't you? You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. There's some people don't choose their friends. It's like, well, they're just the friends I've got. You can choose your friends. Now, I know it's true. You can't really choose your family, but you can choose the amount of influence that you give them in your life. And, you know, if, if you're consistently pulling me back or trying to, I want to live this new life, and you keep wanting to pull me back, then, all right, I can still be friendly with you with certain boundaries, but we're not going to really be friends. And even with that person who is a family member in your life, maybe, you can interact without them necessarily having influence, can't you? There's boundaries in place. There have been times I've had to tell people straight, because I've realised if I carry on going the same way as you're going, we're not going to go the same way and it's not going to be good. And it's like there's a bit of a circle of truth. What is it? The circle of trust. And it's like, you, you know, who's seen that film? Seen the film, you know what the film I mean? It's a circle of trust. And it's like you're stepping outside the circle of trust. And I'm giving opportunity for a person to change. This isn't about cutting people off completely. This is about, you're giving people, but it's like, I'm just going to be wary with you. I'm going to be careful with you. I'm going to hold you at harm's length and I'm going to see what the fruit looks like and whether or not I trust you or not. Because if I don't, it's not, you know, this is just wisdom. This isn't about who's good and who's bad. This is about who's wise and who's foolish. I've seen people, people who say they want to walk with Jesus, but then they go straight off walking with people who are walking in ways that are completely opposite to him and the way that Jesus would say to walk. And guess where that's ending up? They're not going to meet in the middle somewhere. You know, if, if there's that there and there's that there, and you even, even if you're a few degrees off course, give that time, and that's a long way. Paul says, don't walk the same way, don't go down the same path. And these people, this isn't because they're necessarily nasty and purposefully trying to derail you. They can't see where they're going because they're darkened in their understanding. He explains three reasons why they walk that way. Number one, it's up there. Their minds are darkened. They, they believe lies about themselves and about God. They refuse the truth. Years ago, when I was in the police, there was this guy who was a policeman, he was, and he was a traffic policeman, and he went around, and one day, he was shouting at everybody and saying, put your lights on. People were like, ooh, traffic policeman, tell me to put the lights on. He's like, put your lights on. Tell everybody to put the lights on. Then he realised, he was wearing dark sunglasses. <laughs> and they didn't need to put their, their lights on at all. It was him. You know, it's possible to be spiritually in the dark and not even know it. There's some people, they can be really, really intelligent, but totally in the dark spiritually. And that word ignorant up there, you know what the word is that we get from that? 
And the Greek word behind it is agnostic. So next time somebody tells you, I'm an agnostic. Mm. <laughs> Maybe there's some things you need to get some answers about then. Second, their hearts are hardened. The word there literally means calloused, deadened, doesn't feel it anymore. One of the main reasons that I've never learned to play the guitar is I wimp out because I get sore fingers. You know, you can do it, can't you? And I, do, you get, do you feel pain in your fingers um, when you're playing the guitar? Not often, no. Not often, no. Why? Because I, I do it a lot. Because you do it a lot. What happens? He's got hardened fingers. He's lost, the, he's lost that, that gentle sensitivity that I have at the end of my fingers. <laughs> His fingers have become calloused. <laughs> Which is a good thing if you want to play the guitar, but it's a bad thing if it happens to your heart because of sin, because there's something that, there's a, there's something that it used to be like, nobody should ever do that. That's a horrible thing. That's a bad thing. And then I've done it, and it was bad, and I feel really bad, and I'm, oh, I'm so guilty about that. Why did I do that? I can't believe I let myself down so badly. Oh, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Oh, I've done it again. Oh, that's really bad. Oh, that's really bad. I did that. Actually, it wasn't that bad. All right, this is what I do. <coughs> this is what I do. See who I am. That's what I do. Don't judge me. Everybody should do this. That's, that's what happens, isn't it? That's the drift. <coughs> From something where, where you're like, nobody. It's just, there, there's things you can end up doing. The, the, the Bible in another part talks about your conscience being seared as with a hot iron. It's like it gets burnt so that what used to hurt, what used to be like ouch for, to your conscience, doesn't even affect you. You don't even feel bad or sad about it anymore. That's not a good thing. It's never perceived as being a good thing when it happens to a person. Because what happens next after your mind is darkened and your heart gets hard and finally the fight is abandoned. It says they've surrendered themselves to sensuality. That word sensuality, literally the word behind that is basically feel. That's what it is, sensuality. It's all about how I feel. That's all that matters. It's not what's good and what's bad. It's how does it make me feel. And this isn't talking about a one-off. Everybody gets it wrong. What you end up with is describing here as a pattern of like impurity, and just ending up, just, I don't even care anymore. I'm just throwing myself completely into that. And you rationalize it, and you say it's all okay. And some of us here, we know what it is to be like that, to, to live and to think like that. I used to have a very definite, different definition of a good time, and it had nothing to do with good. And I'd still have thought of myself, if you ask me, as being a good person, basically. I didn't even want to be saved. I didn't see any need for me to be saved. I was basically a good person until, thank God, Jesus saved me and showed me how much I needed to be saved. So the first half of Ephesians, as we've said, is all about how you can be saved, how anybody can be saved. And how is anybody saved? You are blessed by God. You are loved by God. And he chooses to reach out in his love and to show you how much he loves you. And he saves you by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And now you're saved. You're meant to live a new life. You're meant to live differently. Your new life is meant to be radically different than the old life. And anybody and everybody who knows you should be able to see there's a difference. And if they can't, you've got to wonder, did it really happen? Because they'll wonder, did it really happen? 
And if you don't want to end up the same way, don't go the same way. Don't walk with the wrong people who are going in the wrong way or you'll end up in the same place as them. The people you hang around with are affecting your destination, your destiny and your direction. So is there somebody you know, they might be a really nice person in all kinds of different ways, but they're walking in a direction other than Jesus Christ. Don't walk with them too far, hoping to turn them around. Walk with him and pray for them. But don't walk with them and pray to him. Because you just ignored what his word told you to do. And hoped he'd just sort it all out anyway. We're going to see tonight, and this is so important, the way people walk is related to the way people think. The way people live is all about how they think. This transformation takes place, it says, in the spirit of your mind. We see that later on in the passage. Isn't that an interesting phrase? I'd never even clocked it before in the passage, but it's great to dig into the Bible and see these things. What is the spirit of your mind? And does the spirit of your mind change? How does that happen? Well, like I said before, he tells us to put off some things, something, sorry, put on something else, and then put away some other things. So do you remember, I said Ephesians was like the church's first alpha course. It's like how you get started. And you get started by knowing who Jesus is and why that matters and how to change your life. And actually they insisted that you change. They insisted. It was like it wouldn't be thought possible for anybody to become a Christian and that their life wouldn't change. It wasn't, well, anything goes, God just loves you anyway and just, he'll just forgive you for whatever you want and that's his job just to forgive you. It wasn't God will just put up with your sin. No, it was put off, put on, put away. Put off, put on, put away. Because Jesus paid the price so you can lead a new life, that you can walk a different way, you can have new thinking. And that changed the world. Those kind of Christians changed the world. The New Testament followers were called people of the way. Do you remember that? And Paul looks at people with a heart that is hardened and a mind that is darkened and fight against sin abandoned. And he says, that's not the way. That is not the way, he says, as he carries on, you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him the truth as it is in Jesus. You were taught to put off, say put off. Sorry, can you have the next slide? I think you might be up there this reading. Yeah. Put off your former way of life. Your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourself, as put on, with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Look at that. It says you can be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Did you know your mind had a spirit? I'd never even thought this before. Literally, that could read continually renewed in the youthful, fresh, new spirit of your thinking. This goes far beyond psychology and counselling. This is what the spirit of God can do in the spirit of your mind. That's why this can be the summer of change. Because the word of God opens up for us the possibility of new thought patterns, new ways to talk, new ways to think that can change everything. Breaking addictive patterns, healing emotional hurts, forgiving shame and guilt and condemnation and just gloom. 
But that's what's going on in some people's minds right now. In the spirit of your mind, in the spirit of your mind. Did you know your mind has a spirit? The mind, let me think, I was, thinking, I was praying, I was like, Lord, what's this, what does this mean? What's the distinction here? What's the spirit of your mind? The mind is what you think with. And it can include what you think. But the spirit of your mind is how you think. You see the difference? God wants to change how you think about what you think. He wants to change how you think about what you think about him, about you, about the world, about life, about what's possible. I know there have been times when I've changed what I think and it hasn't changed me at all. Because I needed to change not what I think, but how I think. I needed to let God's spirit change the spirit in my mind, the spirit of how I think. Here's how it works. I had a different idea. Maybe I heard it in a sermon or something. But it didn't matter. It was a brand new idea. I'd never thought of it. Something in the Bible maybe. I'd never seen it before. And I thought, wow, I never thought of that before. It's a whole new thought in my head. But I walked out exactly the same and did nothing different as a result of it. Why? Because I changed what I think, but I didn't change how I think. So is it possible to change your, what you think about whether or not God loves you? You can change what you think about it, but not actually change how you think about that. Because if you really, if God really changed your mind about how much you are loved, would that affect every part of your life? It really should. But some people, they can hear a verse like, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And they can go, oh yeah, I believe that. But it doesn't change the way they think. Because if it did, it would change the way I think about me. It would change the way I see me. God so loved the world. That means me. He gave his only son. That means me. He did it for me. That's the difference. Is anybody getting this? You see the difference? Because I needed a change in the spirit of my mind, in the way I think, not just in what I think. Because you can believe in God and you can believe God is love, but not think he loves you. Because if you did, you know what? You'd love you. Because he's right. Is God right? God loves you. Do you love you? Some three people do, it turns out, in a room this size. No, the fact is you should be able to do it. You should just come. Yeah, I do love me. See, it's really important that you love you. Do you know why it's really important that you love you? Because you're supposed to go and love other people as you love yourself. That's what Jesus said. How can you love other people as you love yourself if you don't love yourself? You've got permission to love yourself. You know, sometimes, oh, look at him, he loves himself. It's like, yeah, not a bad thing. Agree with God. He loves me. I can love me. See, before, when I was not a Christian, I was a dead man walking. My heart was hardened. My mind was darkened. My fight was abandoned. But then Jesus came and he showed me his love and that changed everything. He died for me on the cross so that one day I'll rise again with him. When I breathe my last breath, that will happen. 
But not just then, it's all about, what about my next breath? Does it change my next breath? Not just that one. Because I was dead, now I'm alive. Some of you, you know what's the, what the Bible says that. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we're what? Alive to God. Do you know how important breath is? We just had first aid training. We had a day of it here, the Ivy staff. We got that little dummy thing out that looks like it's been a terrible accident. He's got no arms and legs. And we were told, you know, how important it is. You've got to get that breath in. Because the oxygen needs to be in there. Well, this is what Jesus meant, I believe, when he spoke one night to a very good religious teacher called Nicodemus. And he said to him, you must be born again. You've got to be born of, the, of water and of the spirit. Take a deep breath now and hold the breath for a moment. And let me explain this. Don't let it out because this is really important. The word spirit in Greek and in Hebrew is the same word for breath and for wind. The first man, Adam, came alive from dust when God breathed life into him. He breathed spirit, which is ruach and pneuma inside of him. Some people, it's coming out of your ears. He wasn't alive until then. Then Adam rebelled against God and what happened? Sin entered the world and spoiled it and he died. So let the breath out. And just, remember, just think about how important a breath is. I mean, so often we just take them all for granted. He says the spirit of your mind is changed when you put off the old way, you put on the new self. Put the new self on. Start by saying out loud, I am loved. I am loved. Jesus loves me. Who finds it hard to say that? Some people find it hard to say that. It's the truth. Say it until you believe it. Let it, let it operate in the spirit of your mind. It will change the spirit of your mind. Maybe little voices, oh yeah, but if everybody knew what I knew about you, you should be punished really. You shouldn't be loved. You should be judged for your sins. You should die for your sins. And do you know what? Yeah, what I do, I put off the old me. I put on the new me. And I say, yes, actually, I, I did die. I have been crucified with Christ. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is why it's so important to read your Bible, to start to agree with what God says, to memorize some scripture. And what it does, it, it talks about the washing of the word. That's what can happen when you're reading the Bible. It's amazing how the book can do that. All those old patterns, the impure, the dirty ones, the Bible talks about washing with the word. My friend J. John, he said that when he became a Christian, his, his mum said to him, oh, you, what are you doing going to church? And I'm like, you've been brainwashed. And he said, mum, if you knew what was in my brain, you'd be glad it was being washed. So I put off the old me. I put on the new me. Who is the new me? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. Tell yourself that 10 times a day this week. See if you're the same person next Sunday. What can I do? Well, you can't do much. What difference are you going to make? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say that 30 times. And then write a dream out of the difference you can make in the world. Put on the new you. It's a whole new you. 
it's not, I mean, you see signs for the gym. There's one in Fallowfield, I noticed, and it's got, you know, join this gym, a whole new you. It's like, no, you can't do it. All you can do is change the old me a bit. You can't give me a whole new me. Only Jesus does that. This word new in here, if you're here the other week, you're going to know this word for new. It's a different kind of new. It's a new for, the word means a brand new invention, something never been seen before. That's what you are when you come to Christ. He's like a whole new, completely different you. How? Put off the old life. Put on the new you. And then there's some things for us to put away. And he's listing a few people, things. These are just examples. This isn't like a definitive list. These are a few things that show. Have you got something in the old life that needs to change? He lists a few of them. Because the old stuff, he's saying, doesn't fit you anymore. Put it away. It's like me, on an external level anyway. Last year, around Christmas, I was about nearly a stone heavier. And to be honest with you, I was like just going for it. I was giving up. I was like, oh well, at least I'm eating lots of turkey and having a good time. Uh, and I was thinking, just buy a bigger belt. <laughs> and then I changed my mind. And I changed some habits. And I started to change, because that's what happens. And I didn't just change what I thought, because I did think I could do with losing weight. But I didn't really know how, when I needed to change, how I thought about it. And I began to think, how is I'm going to start to go to the gym? Actually, I'm going to stop drinking. I stopped drinking completely around that time, and I've not drunk since. And it was like, I don't miss it. That's all. It's great. The blood pressure was going up. Zoe checked me the other day. It's come down. It's like there's a new me, but that's just physical. But there's a spiritual new me as well. The changes make a difference. And so now there's some clothes that I've got. I was heading up towards thinking, if in doubt, maybe don't just get extra large, go for extra, extra large. But now I've got some clothes and, and they don't fit me anymore. I've put them away. I, I should give them away. I should just get rid of them. Do you know why? why I don't? Here's why. Here's why you don't either. I kind of wonder if maybe I'll go back. Because it's going all right now, but what if in a year I'm like, I'll go back? Do you know what? No going back. Because if I keep on doing what I'm doing, I'll keep on going the way that I'm going. The first thing God says we have to put away is lies. I remember before I was a Christian, I used to lie like a hairy egg. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> See, in the darkness of my understanding, I didn't even think it was lying. It was just my version of the truth. It was me telling the truth that was what you might want to hear. And so, therefore, nobody's getting hurt. Because I'm just telling you what works. It's like... Jeremy Corbyn on a train. <laughs> Without getting political. No, no, it's just because I heard one person this week saying, this was defending him, perhaps all he was doing was stretching the truth. Stretching the truth. What truth do you stretch? When do we stop calling it stretching the truth? When do we recognise lies ruin lives? Starting with mine, 
and then other peoples around me. All kinds of lies. Even if I rationalize them, there's a lie in it. So we put away lies, we put away anger. If there's one thing off this whole list I know that I've struggled with more than any other pattern, more than any other, maybe as we go through and there'll be one that'll hit you, it's the red mist, it's anger. And I know when it came to I was thinking this week, I was thinking, when did it start? And I remembered, when I was at primary school, there's a lad called David Williams, and he used to push me, and he used to annoy me. And then I remembered thinking, oh, we're going to get him. And I thought, what I really need to do next time, I need to kind of let that little red mist really come down. And then I'm like invincible. I told myself that. And it became like my power. And David Williams came over, he's pushing me again. And I grabbed him and I went, and I threw him on the floor and, he, and, and scraped him along the floor. And I was like, yes. And that, and that was it. And I, I remember then saying, I said to my brother, if I get my mad up, that's what I used to say, if I get my mad up, yeah, I can beat anybody. I'm all right, I can do that. And that became, and then when I was in the police, there were times when it was useful to be able to get my mad up. But then, that develops a pattern of thinking in my head, which ends up, for so many houses that we lived in, with holes in walls and doors, and bins that were perfectly defenceless, kicked to pieces because I got my mad up and you know what I don't want to be that guy I really it's not I don't want to be that husband to Zoe I don't want to be that dad to my kids I don't want to model that I don't want to be like that I want to put off that old person I want to put on the new me I want to put that away I've got to keep on putting it away He says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. He says, some things it's all right to be angry about. There's things in the world we should be angry about. That's okay. God's angry about it. Get angry about it too. But there's some things. He says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And the word for wrath there literally means furious personal irritation. You see the difference between righteous indignation about human trafficking or something and furious personal irritation. He actually says, deal with that. Put it away before sunset. That was when the new Jewish day began. What he means is, get it sorted while you can still see people face to face before you part with each other for the night. And the rabbis would say that too. And they used to say this about it because who knows whether you will ever meet them again in this world. Can you imagine that? The the last words that you'd say to somebody with your words spoken in anger, in personal furious irritation. We've got to put it away. And we've got to put away stealing. I don't think that's ever really been much of a problem for me. I remember I stole a fountain pen. This is like confession time with Anthony, isn't it? I stole a fountain pen in Ashton when I was 12. I just wanted to steal something. Don't listen. Don't listen. I just wanted to... I just felt like I've never stolen anything. I'm going to steal... That pen. I was in his shop, fountain pen. Didn't want a fountain pen. Take the fountain pen. And it was like burning, burning inside here. And I was walking out, and every eye, everybody I could see was like looking at me, fountain pen stealer. 
It was like everybody knew. And I was like, I've got to get on the bus. I've got to get home. I've got to get home. And I was waiting at the bus. Everybody at the bus stop was watching me. And I could tell that they all knew about the fountain pen. And it was in here. I was like, no, they all know about the fountain pen. I got on the bus. I was like, pain in the bus. And the bus driver's looking at me. And I'm thinking, he knows, he knows. I went upstairs. I can't stay downstairs. Go upstairs on the bus. Hide on the bus. And I forgot. What does the bus do? It goes right past the shop. It goes right past the shop where I stole the fountain pen from. This is the route it takes. And I'm thinking, oh no, this is the route. They're going to drop me off. The guy's going to come out. He's going to spot me. You stole a fountain pen. Stop that man. You know, stop that boy. All this is going on inside of me. And I couldn't handle it. I got near the fountain pen. I opened up, you know, you can, on windows, you can open up the buses on the window. Bus. I opened it up. I threw the pen out of the window <laughs> at, at the shop, in the direction of the shop. So stealing was never really going to be my thing. But actually, it talks to me about, in a way, like laziness. Sometimes, you know, you can, be, you can steal by not doing the job that you're being paid for, can't you? Yeah. And what about God? Shouldn't we think about everything that he gives us and how much we give back to him? If you know your Bible, how much roughly do you think the Bible might say you should be giving back to God? Anybody got an idea? Not looking at anybody in particular? It actually says 10. ten tithe. The word tithe means 10. Give him everything, but don't tell me you're giving him everything if you don't even give him 10%. So you can argue about it all night with me if you want to, but the only people I'll really listen to is somebody who's given me a lot more than 10%, who's given a lot more than 10% to the work of God. Because that shows, that's like, that's not, that's not minimum standard, as far as I'm concerned, for the Bible. After that, you start to talk about generosity and living a generous life. That's like the training wheels to get you going. And actually, when we choose not to tithe in Malachi, God says it, this isn't me, he says it's like you're robbing me. Like, put a mask on and point it to heaven and hold up a gun because you're just robbing God when you decide, actually, out of the 100% you give me, I'm not going to give even 10% back to you. And you may, I mean, that might be something you might totally disagree with me, read your Bible as long as you want, and we'll, but I'm so glad that God spoke to me about that and helped me to, years ago to decide to become a tither because that has released so much blessing in my life in all kinds of other ways because it's just another way of showing that I've got a new way of life. The old me is gone. There's a new life with new priorities. What about swearing? He talks about evil talk. It literally means filthy, corrupting words that, that kind of... Turn, you know, have you heard the phrase, turn the air blue? That's what it's to do with. It's like, it's like the words that we say can, can change the atmosphere for good or for evil. The words that we say can be a blessing or a curse. You choose. What kind of words are you putting out there? It's powerful. Now, every one of these things, it's just a list. I read my Bible like you and I know I'm, I'm loved and I'm forgiven. And actually what I'm doing when I'm doing this, I'm inviting the Holy Spirit. Please would you come and change the spirit of my mind? I don't just want to have the possibility of a new life. I want to live one. Lord, show me how I need to change now. So, and it talks about encouraging words. It's, it's not just negatives, it's positives with this too. Who have you encouraged this week? Who have you gone to and built up in the body of Christ in some way? Who, so you can change the atmosphere positively like that too. So Paul says, put off the old ways that you used to think and act. Put on the new you in the spirit of your mind. 
then put away old ways like lying and anger and stealing and swearing. And there's more things to put away down the end of the chapter. I'm nearly done. Not just because they don't suit you anymore because you're a new person. Not just because it hurts other people and complicates everything in your life and relationships. Not just because it's the worst, the most unwise way to live. He doesn't even say it's because there's Ten Commandments and God's going to you know, have to judge and all that. He, didn't say, he actually says, here's the reason for not doing this and for living this way and for changing. He says, please, please, don't break God's heart. It's not don't break God's commandments. It's not don't break them or you'll break yourself against them, which is true. It's don't do these things because they break God's heart. Don't grieve God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't make God sad. And he uses personal pronouns because the Holy Spirit is not a force or a power. It's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And did you ever think that God could be made sad? That he can, he can be saddened when I harden my heart, when I darken my mind, when I give up the fight against sin and just go along with the crowd. I remember years ago hearing a doc, Dr. R.T. Kendall talked about this and he used the illustration about the Holy Spirit. He said he's a, he's, he's a dove, not a pigeon in the Bible. Because he had a friend who was an expert on, on birds and particularly on doves. And he said pigeons and doves are in the same family. But a turtle dove is very different than a pigeon. Pigeons go to the park around the corner. We sometimes go and we try to feed squirrels. But pigeons come. And they peck and they push. And they'll grab and they'll fight each other. Doves never fight. They're gentle. Pigeons can be tamed and domesticated, but doves want to fly free. They're gentle, they're meek. A dove won't force its way in. A dove is easily shooed away. Pigeons, you try and shoo them away when there's stuff on the ground, they're going to come right back again. So the question tonight is not, do you want the Holy Spirit? The question is, do you want the Holy Spirit to remain on you? Because it says, John the Baptist said that you could tell it was Jesus because when the Holy Spirit came down upon him when he was baptized, he said the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and rested and remained on him. And then he knew. Remember years ago, we had a guy called Dave Edwards, who was a worship leader, came and lived with us and his family. We opened up our home and they came and lived with us for a while. And there was something on the television. It was like early evening, so it wasn't like a, a bad thing necessarily. I can't remember what it was. But he went over, and I, this is in my house. He goes and turns my telly off. And I'm like, hang on a minute. You know, community house share idea. But that's my TV, and I was watching that. <laughs> Hello, Dave. Can we explain what just happened? And he's like, oh, I saw that. that and you know what? I'm leading worship on Sunday. This is like Wednesday. I, I, don't, I don't want to lose my anointing. I'm like, wow. Wow, I need to learn from that. He's like the anointing and power of God on his life, the Holy Spirit resting and remaining on his life is important enough for him not to do something, anything that's going to go shoo, shoo to the dove. Now some people might have a theological argument about that and they can say, well, the Holy Spirit comes inside of me anyway. And of course, if you look at the passage, it says the Holy Spirit marks you as a seal of ownership. I believe that. I believe when I became a Christ follower, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I received the Holy Spirit without question. But the big question is not how much of the Holy Spirit do I have? The question is, how much of me 
does the Holy Spirit have? How much of me do I want to let the Holy Spirit have? Because he wants to take over. He wants to make me more like Jesus. And the way that happens is you put off the old attitudes, you put on the new nature, put away the old sins. God loves me so much, I don't want to grieve him. I don't want to make him sad. How do I get the ungrieved Holy Spirit moving in my life? I put away the old ways. If I get angry, I'm saying, go away. And he points out these things. If I'm telling lies, shoo, shoo. If I'm holding some more bitterness, why would I hold on to bitterness when it's going to go like, shoo, shoo, to the Holy Spirit? Fighting. Do you know how much it hurts God when we fight? When we're holding malice against other people, we're saying, shoo, shoo, to the Holy Spirit resting on us. Genesis 8, after the flood, Noah, the ark, he puts a dove out, doesn't he? What's the dove going to do? It's looking around for somewhere to land. That's what the dove wants to do, is to find somewhere to land, a place to land. The Holy Spirit wants you and me to be a good place to land. So, I'm just trying to spend a little bit more time every day with a few exercises where I'm actually thinking recently, all right, Lord, I've done it this week. I want the Holy Spirit to land. Um, in fact, well, let's do it now. Just close your eyes for a moment, if you don't mind. And I believe some of the, you know, there's, there's some things that shoo him away and there's some things that draw him close. And one thing that draws him close is uh, if I just ask the question, what am I grateful for right now? Maybe it's just one thing, but a couple of things perhaps. What am I grateful for? for what he's already done and what he is doing. And then on that list of things, there's other things that draw him closer. It talks about being kind. Who can I be kind to? Because that's going to get the Holy Spirit just resting on me more and more. Tender-hearted, that word is empathetic, it's compassionate. All of those qualities are, are, come from God and are drawing us closer to him and him to us. And it finishes off by saying that we forgive just as in Jesus Christ we've been forgiven. So who do you need to forgive right now? Is there anybody you need to forgive? If you want to and you're willing to do this and anything I've said tonight has made you realise that actually there's something you need to put away so the Holy Spirit can come more fully in you and rest more in an ungrieved way on you. When you're standing, I'd love to pray for you. Thanks. Thank you. Lord, I pray for those of us who are standing, you're going to come and work now in the spirit of our minds. In how we think. How we think about you and ourselves and others. And I pray you'd help me to put away anger and anything else that would cause you not to have full access into my life and into my heart.
Put away the old me. Take that and nail it to the cross with Jesus. The old ways of thinking and doing and acting. Even the ones that worked. But I want you to work instead more and more in my life. I want to put on the new me. The one that looks more like Jesus. Why don't you just stand there. Hold, hold your hands out. And just imagine. You're stepping into the life, the power of Jesus. Into looking more like him. Being more like him in the world. Talking like him. Thinking like him. Acting like him. Being more and more like Jesus. Is there anybody you need to forgive for that to happen? Because this is a, that can be a blocker. It's like you just keep shooing the dove away until I say, I'm going to forgive even as I've been forgiven. Jesus forgives me completely, totally, 100% forever. So as your hands are open, perhaps. Just release bitterness, malice. Just let go of all of that. Give it all to him. Thank you, Jesus. Recreate me in the spirit of my mind. Now, do what I can't do. Change my thinking. Change my life. Proverbs 28:13 says, "Whoever conceals his sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy." Lord, we want to come and just be honest with you and say, "The old things would they be gone?" And we believe in the spirit of our minds that the new has come, created new to be like you in righteousness and holiness. Lord, help us to love, to do good for you, to be kind and tender-hearted and compassionate. These things are not natural to us, so do it supernaturally. Recreate that new heart within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Just stay there for a minute. Sitting or standing. Feel the Holy Spirit is doing this now through his word. Let that washing of his word happen in your mind and your heart. Just believe he's, he's taking old patterns, he's rewiring them. He's recreating that new mind, the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. You think like Jesus. You can have faith big enough to move mountains. You can, Jesus knew he was loved by his heavenly father. You can know that. Jesus knew nothing was impossible. You can know that. Jesus knew that his kingdom was extending and the darkness would never put it out. We can live like that. Lord, may we be transformed in the spirit of our minds. Let your spirit work in the spirit of our minds right now. Please come, Holy Spirit ungrieved into our lives, into our minds. Thank you that you don't condemn us. You're a counsellor. You're a comforter.
Pray, Lord, for a person who's here, I believe, who's who's just not been sleeping for like three weeks. And you've been tormented. That's actually a a feeling. You've just been tormented in your sleep. And may you now receive in the spirit of your mind the new you that sleeps with peace, that trusts God, that doesn't let the sun go down on anger. If it's because of anger, if it's because of somebody that you need to forgive, just let it go now. Because of an injustice. Trust the Lord for that. Give it to him. He can deal with it. You can't deal with it. Give it to him. And then just rest in him tonight when you go to sleep. Just say, oh, I'll give that. My dad's dealing with that. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray as well, just while we're in this place, like I talked about that childhood pattern in my life that developed with regard to anger, and you showed me that. I pray, Lord, that you'd just show us tonight or in these next couple of nights, just not to do anything other than to show us that there's the root, and then pull it up within us, Lord. Because that's the old me. That guy died. I rose again in Jesus. I'm a new creation now. I don't have to live like that and think like that and act like that. Thank you, Lord, that we've been showing us those things. It's not to make us feel bad or guilty. It's, It's so that we can be free we can receive your, the inheritance you have for us you know in these moments the Lord can do so much if we just trust him let your spirit come see somebody it's a, I think I just see a picture of a, a, one of the, a lady here perhaps who's been shouted at and shouted at and and like you're like I'm not I'm not having that anymore and you put on like this tough suit of armour around yourself to protect yourself and that's understandable but now that relationship isn't there anymore that isn't that person can't hurt you anymore but you've still got that suit of armour on and you're wondering why you kind of clunk and clank around the place sometimes and you've got a sword and it bumps into people jabs them a bit and you can take it off be renewed in the spirit of your mind right now just let the Holy Spirit come and He'll, he'll protect you. He'll put you under the shadow of his wing. You don't have to think like that anymore. You don't have to be like that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. 
Thank you, Jesus. And um, if there's somebody who's in that relationship and they know that it was going the wrong way, it's going down the wrong path, just picture Jesus coming and taking you by the hand right now. He's offering you his hand and saying, walk with me. Put your hand in his hand. Feel his hand in your hand right now. He's going to lead you. He wants to lead you. He wants to you'll walk with him and it's going to be so much better. Trust him. It won't always be easier, but it will be better. Thank you, Lord. Now just put your hand on your heart like we started at the beginning. Holy Spirit, please come ungrieved. I don't want, I want to, I just want to do the stuff, Lord, that makes you, Holy Spirit, unfold your wings so I can fly. imagine what a group of people who know that they are the old them has gone the new is come the old ways are put away and the ungrieved Holy Spirit lives inside of them the difference we can make in the world for Jesus thank you Lord no wonder Lord that you gave this great letter to these people that church changed the world and may our lives and our churches in the same way burn for you so brightly in the world in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening For more podcasts go to ivychurch.org forward slash media